the optimal life. Well, Richie, we are finally doing it. Yes, we are. Welcome. Welcome. We've been talking about this for a long time. Thanks, Nathan. I know we've had a couple conversations, and uh, <clears throat> I think it was after our last six-pack of beer that we decided to do it. Got some courage up, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's great. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Let's start off with, uh, you've got a lot of stories, and, yes. and, and we're going to go into a lot of these. For people that are just starting to listen, these are not, these are not made-up tales. These are not uh, fabricated stories. This is... You've gone through a pretty rough past, and that's why I think we wanted to come on initially for this first episode and share your thoughts, share your experiences, and what you've gone through. So you told me that you came up with a new word, and I thought yes. that'd be a good place to start. Yes, we're going to change history here. We're going to add a new word to Google and YouTube, and it's a C word. Now, it's not see you next Tuesday, but it's called CPTSD which stands for Catholic Post-Traumatic Syndrome. <laughs> post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. Yes, exactly. Catholic Post-Traumatic Stress yes. Disorder. It's gonna be, you're going to be able to Google it in a couple of weeks. It's <laughs> going to be there. So elaborate, please. So, you know, you get older and you reflect on your past and you get older and uh, you have these stories in your head that are true and real. And you try to deal with them, you know, and, and they, uh, they keep coming back. So you go to a therapist, and they charge $150 an hour, and they don't really give a fuck anyway. You know, and then you try to talk to your wife again, and she says, Ah, my God, I heard this story for the 50th time. You can't go talk to your kids, because they think, like, Yeah, the old man's a little strange. So you try to process this shit in your head, but you keep going back to your childhood, you know, and the things that you can't change in your childhood are your gene pool. Mm -hmm. So when I look back on my life, I think about my parents, not a good situation, so I try to back up a little bit and go to my grandparents. Okay. And uh, I did have this really cool uh, grandparent, and uh, he was a pipe fitter at the Navy Yard, great guy. And, um, you know, I, I respected him a lot because he was, he was real. You know what I mean? A lot of people today aren't real. They're like, they're like fucking phonies. Right. Like, you know, Sylvester Stallone. Okay, not, you know, not a bad guy. But does he really deserve a fucking statue in the front of the art museum? <laughs> the guy never even fell around in a professional fight, right? <laughs> Schwarzenegger never fired a gun in battle. But, like, you know, he's driving a, a whatever. Right. So I reflect on him a lot, <clears throat> and I think of the stories that come to my mind, and I've got 25% of his gene pool, you know, and you wonder, like, what 25% of that gene pool did you get? Sure. So you think about him, you know. So <clears throat> a couple stories come to mind, and maybe we should share one now just to Please? kind of get yeah, things going. Yeah, let's get going. So, you know, I came from a very, quote, Catholic religious family, which meant you go to church every Sunday, and then when you walk out, you just go back to being a badass again. Okay. But, you know, Sunday, Mass. When you say back to a badass again, meaning you, you kind of go there to put on the, put on the, are you putting on a show that this is, yeah. you're, like, you're, you're I, holy? I, I remember, like, you know, at the end of the Mass, you sing, let peace begin with me. You know, let peace begin, it's, you know. And then you go in the parking lot and you say to the guy in front of you, get the fuck, your fucking car is blocking me in. Get the fuck out of here, okay? You know, and then you just go back to being your mean old self again. Right. 
But I guess for an hour you think, you know, you're, you're going closer to God. So I, I think about this story all the time. So my grandfather, <clears throat> great guy, uh, born, I think, in 1888, ran away from home when he was 13, did the tall ships around the Cape Horn, ran away when he was 13 years old, no Panama Canal, that didn't come until 1914. And uh, his wife died when she was young and left him with three kids. <clears throat> and... Uh, so it was my uh, uh, Uncle George and my mom, of course, and then this, this beautiful woman that we called Sissy. Okay. And uh, I remember pictures of her, and she was drop-dead gorgeous. Now, of course, you don't want to fantasize about your aunt. That's a little weird, right? <laughs> but she had long brown hair. She was stacked up top. She had a beautiful figure. She was absolutely luscious. So <clears throat> when she was 18... She uh, walked up to my grandfather and said, I need to have a talk with you. And he goes, you know, what? He wasn't a man of many words, you know? And she goes, you know, Pops, I've decided to go uh, into the convent. I'm going to become a nun. And uh, he didn't expect that, you know? So he said, well, <clears throat> you know, do what you got to do, but uh, women were meant to have babies. Okay? You don't go in the church. So, of course, she did what she wanted to do. Because if you're a nun, you you're can't not have pro babies. procreate, okay? Right. You're, you're, you're sterile. Well, not sterile. You're celibate. You might you're as well celibate, be, right. You might as well be sterile, but right. you've got to be virginal. You right. know what I mean? <clears throat> like the Immaculate Heart of Mary, you know, born, you know, what a, a different story. Okay. So, uh, he said to her, well, here's the deal. One soul goes in, one soul goes out. And she goes, what does that mean? He goes, well, if you're going to become a nun then I'm never stepping foot in a Catholic church again until I'm in a box. <clears throat> you know. Sure. So he and was... And this a, is your grandfather that you really admired. Yes, this okay. was a guy that ran away and right. did the ships. He was a pipe fitter. He had tattoos. He's like 5'8", but he was pure steel, you know. So, you know, I got to know my grandfather very well. He was at our house most weekends, and uh, we would go to church, and, and he would never go to church. I mean, I'd say, like, Pops, you, you, no, 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 no. We, you know, we've had that conversation. So <clears throat> years go by, and, uh, you know, my, my aunt, the nun, very successful, goes to Notre Dame, she gets her MBA or PhD, and, you know, I grew up in Catholic school, you know, grade school, and IHM nuns, which is what she was, and I noticed that they all had rings on their on their ring finger. Mm -hmm. And I was curious about that. Like, what are you wearing a wedding band? So I asked my aunt that, and uh, she said to me, well, you know, we're all married to Christ. I'm like, geez, that's a little strange, you know? So anyway, but she's very successful. And the nuns, you know, they had these things called jubilees. So if you're in there for 25 years, you get, I guess, a silver jubilee. 50 years, you get a golden jubilee. And if you live long enough, you get a diamond jubilee. Okay. So her jubilee comes up. It's I think it's a silver one. You know, I'm not sure. And uh, my mother says, well, you know, next Sunday, we're going to this Catholic college to separate your aunt's jubilee. I'm like, wow. Okay. So, uh... Is, is Pops gone? She goes, I don't think so. 
So I said, okay. So I walk up to my grandfather and I said, you know, did you hear about this, this Jubilee thing? He goes, yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, I heard about it. I, yeah, I know about it. I go, well, are you going? Absolutely. I'm absolutely going. I'm thinking, holy shit, this guy's done a 180 on me. Mm-hmm. He's going to go to the Jubilee. So, <clears throat> you know, I was a very perceptive kid and I had this like feeling in my stomach like something's not adding up, you know? So I walked up to my mother and I said, uh, you know, Grandpa's, he's going. He's going to the Jubilee. And she says, well, you know, it's about time he got his act together after all these years. It's about time he did the right thing. Mm-hmm. So I said to her, I said, Mom, I don't know. I got, a, I got a really bad feeling about this. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. I just got a bad feeling about this. She goes, you know what? Shut up and go do your goddamn homework. And that's, that's, how, that's how she talked. <laughs> it's none of your goddamn business. Just go do your goddamn homework. So we went. <clears throat> beautiful place. I mean, it's, you know, this big Catholic University auditorium. They got the priest there. They got the archbishop. You know, they got all the big wigs. They got the champagne flowing in those little things that trickle down, you know. <laughs> and, and what, hundreds and hundreds of people? Hundreds of people. Sure. It's like, yeah, it's amazing. So... <clears throat> Everybody's like, you know, I want to congratulate sister such and such on a phenomenal career, and everybody's feeling the the warm and fuzzies. And uh, all of a sudden, my grandfather pulls up this chair because he's short. You know, he he climbs in this chair, and people start staring at him and go, "Whoa, whoa, wait a second! I think Pops is going to say something." And we're like, "Wow!" And my mother's standing there, and she goes, "You know." It's about time. This has been ridiculous. So all of a sudden, everybody starts hitting their glass with the teeth. Yeah, clean, clean, clean. And the yeah. clean, clean, clean. Yeah. Frank's got something to say. And I'm standing there going, oh, here, oh, here it comes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So he says, ladies, if all of you women think you're married to Christ, then Christ is nothing but a goddamn whoremaster. Well, let me tell you something. The fucking party was over. The fucking party was over. She, you know, I do a lot of time oh, in the woods, so I know what a bobcat sounds like. When oh. She lets us sound out like a wounded fucking bobcat, and the party's over, but people can't move. They're gasping. They're like... You, they're hear, like, all the, you hear the inaudible chatter, right? Well, like they're, <laughs> they're, they're, in, going. they're in shock. You, yeah, know, yeah, hear, yeah. you hear a couple, oh my God, he just said that. So then we're figuring he's done. He goes, but I'm not done yet. Oh, God. And we're all like, he goes, her nickname was Bess. He goes, Bess, the problem with you was that you didn't have a romp in the hay with or without the benefit of matrimony. That's what he said in front of everybody. That's what he said to everybody. Holy shit. So the party was (laughs) over. To his own granddaughter, or to his own daughter. Yeah. You know what I mean? But to his own daughter in but front of like, everybody. He's hardcore ass. You know what I mean? He's a hardcore dude. I mean, so anyway. I'm and had to change the whole family's lives. For, right? The community, the um, embarrassment, the, the yeah. shunning. She went actually into a deep depression later. Had to have some electric convulsive shock shit. Because get, of this? Oh, yeah. She went, she went way down the tubes. Whoa. But anyway, I'm standing there, and I knew this was coming. So I start to laugh my ass off. I'm laughing so hard. I got my hands on my thighs thinking I'm going to get a hernia because I saw this coming. 
and my mother's standing next to me. She wheels on her heels and smacks me hard across the mouth so bad <coughs> that she chipped my lower tooth. How old were you at this time? I was like 14, 15, okay. you know? Mm-hmm. And I see this little piece of tooth fly over the room. Good good Lord. I called it the Joan of Arc relic. <laughs> you know, you get these little relics, you know, yeah. whatever. So uh, <coughs> the party was over, you know? Oh, no doubt about it. And there was a blur, and my mother cried the Whoa. whole way home. She's whimpering in the front seat. I'm in the back, massaging my jaw, thinking, I hope this sucker's not broken. My she really, God. She really clocked And me. so it began, the, the development of CPTSD. Exactly. There, and there it is. So that that's, you come from a strict upbringing. You come from a family that was set in their ways, right? Right. So to elaborate a little bit more on the CPT, that's, that's one story, and I know you've got a lot. So uh, uh, talk about... The same is this the same grandfather that you guys when he was at the end of his life that you guys had to that your father was ordering you to do certain things. No, that was a different guy. That's a different guy. That's that was the other grandfather. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But let me just finish, finish the second this half. One. Okay. So you know, shit hits a fan, and my grandfather he gets like excommunicated from the family. His his you know his daughter doesn't talk to him, and I'd bring his name up, and she'd say, you know, shut up. He's not, you know, shut up. So he gets kind of decrepit, and uh, two years later, it's uh, Sunday morning, and I didn't go to church that day because I had a cold or something, and I would always make his Irish coffee in the morning, half uh, old overhaul black coffee. So I'm sitting there at the table, and I'm staring at him, and he's reading the newspaper, and he looks up at me, and he goes, what, what, you got a question, What? what's your question? I said, well, I said, Grandpa, you know, it's been kind of rough around here for the last couple of years. I haven't seen you. You've been kind of excommunicated. Mom's super pissed off still. So he goes, well, what's your question? I said, well, you know, let me ask you a question. If if you had to do it all over again, you know, you know, says he got depressed, would you do it? As soon as I got it out of my mouth, he goes, in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> But that was a man That's of conviction. That's who he was. That's who he was. <clears throat> and the next time he was in church, he was in a box. That was the la- next time he actually went to church. It there. wasn't. It wasn't on his own free will. No, he was in a box. How long? How long was it after that that he passed? Uh, it was a couple Bob. years. That's couple, it. Yeah, a couple wow. of years. And he was getting, you know, in his eighties, and sure, you know, um, he drank. I mean, I never saw him drunk though. Never saw him drunk. Drank ever. every day, but never saw him drunk. Drank every day. Started in the morning with coffee. That's incredible. You know. Yeah, so he was an amazing guy. Wow. But uh, and people aren't like that today. You got to wow. be PC. You don't offend. I mean, could you imagine saying that shit today? Oh God! Right? It'd be like that would be chopped off. Yeah, you would yeah. never be allowed. You wouldn't be allowed to be seen in public ever again. But he didn't care. It was like I told you the deal. Yeah. One soul comes in, one soul comes out, and he stuck to it, and that had a dramatic effect on me. So this was. Uh, your one grandfather who you had a lot of respect for. What, yes. Your other grandfather, you had the same level of respect for him? or? Yeah, my other grandfather was a great, great guy. Um, he was a doughboy. Uh, he was born overseas. He came to this country and volunteered as a doughboy. And uh, he became a U.S. mailman. You know, worked every day. Hard worker. Yeah. Hard working guy. Um, you know, and... Um, he got old, and my grandmother was a selfish bitch. Mm. Just to put it, you know, blunt. Yeah, tell us how you really feel. Oh, she was a selfish bitch. 
and she was actually born very wealthy, but the family lost everything in the Great Depression. So she became poor. She married my grandfather probably because she had to find somebody that was going to take care of her. When you go from wealthy to poor, it's hard, man. And especially when you've got that kind of personality trait. Yep. That had to make her a real nasty person. It made her angry. Sure. She was an angry, angry woman. So, you know, he he fell down the steps and broke his hip. And uh, it was his house. And uh, But, you know, nobody felt comfortable taking care of him. So we got stuck with him. We ended up bringing him into our house. Here comes another pre-PTSD uh, moment, guys. Exactly. This, this is another. This is the one like you just. <laughs> this is one that's hard. <clears throat> yeah, so he was totally demented but strong as an ox. And, you know, we would, unfortunately, we all had to go to work. We all had summer jobs, you know. We weren't not. You're a teenager still at this point. Teenager, sure. yeah. Same same time frame. Yeah. Close. A little later, a little okay. later. So, uh, yeah, we all go to work. My father, you know, ugh, he went to work. And so we had to tie him down on the four-point restraints when we left the house. You had to because of what? He was demented. He would get up. He would, you know, he'd fall down the steps again. I mean, he was totally gone. And but but you were directed to by your father. Yes. Okay. Had to do it. So, so we, your father we, would direct your you and your brothers, right, to tie down your grandfather to a yep. bedpost, to yep. keep him from being able to move around. Exactly. And then we would come home at lunch. He had a chuck underneath him. We'd clean him up. Would you he know. be sit, screaming and crying, or like, yeah. well, what is he doing while he's tied up? You haven't yeah, tied up moaning. like a prisoner. He, he moaned constantly, moaned constantly, and he kept calling out for his wife. You know, he kept shouting at her name. How do you guys tune him out while he's doing it? What, what are you doing? You're in the it other was, room. What do you? How do you? It was extremely hard. So you know, I'm, we went home one day and we had to untie him. You know, to feed him. Strong as an ox, he went across the bed with a right hook, knocked my brother out cold. He slumped on the floor. And he said, I'm not doing this anymore. You guys can do this. So <clears throat> he eventually he eventually passed. But what a horrible existence, you know? I mean... And your father, did he have anything to do with this? Would he come home and help you guys, or he just forced minimal, you guys to do minimal. it? Minimal. It was our job. It was our duty. And if you didn't do it, what would happen? <clears throat> I was just, you know... Uh, you were just scared of your father's wrath yeah, at that time. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, and, you know, all night long, he would be screaming out. And my father would walk in the room and tell him to shut the hell up. Of course, that never works. Right, especially you know, when they're, you're they're gone, yeah. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was a stressful summer. Jeez, was a stressful summer. And how long did that go on for? I think it went on for three months. I mean, that's every single day you had to deal every with that. Every single day. You had to deal with tying up your grandfather. Yep, and then to, just watch him. And just listen to him moan away. Yeah, just, just moan away. How did that make you feel, looking back you know at that what? age? I think we were kind of numb. I think it was a very unusual situation in retrospect, but it was kind of like our normal. It was just like, you know, I mean, it was just, that's just the way it was. You didn't question it. You certainly didn't have an argument with your parents who were like, you know, authority figures. And you just did it. You know, you just sucked it up and you just did it. But, you know, in retrospect, you feel guilty. Do you? Absolutely. I mean, you know, how do you treat uh, a grandfather, a veteran of World War One, a good man? How do you treat that uh, that person in that way at this stage of his life? 
But the bottom line is they were too cheap to put them in a goddamn nursing home. That was the motivation. We're not going to spend any money. You know, we're going to take care of them here. <coughs> so, uh, my God. So my, my, my father <coughs> was actually very good at making dental implants like false teeth. So we worked at a deal with his brother that if, you know, my father made these artificial teeth from my aunt, his brother's sister, that they would take them for two weeks. They would take them for two weeks. So in my bedroom, you could hear downstairs into the basement through the vents. So anyway, it's kind of a funny story in a way. But this horrible argument broke out between my father and his brother. And he had just finished making these teeth for for my aunt. Right. And I guess somehow the deal went south. But my father's brother anticipated the teeth. So all I remember is this argument, horrible argument, broke out, went up the steps, into the front door. My father walks on the front concrete pad and takes these two beautifully completed set of artificial teeth and he throws them down on the concrete and they shatter. Oh my. That was the end of their relationship. Yep. But the funny part was I'd mow the lawn every Sunday or, you know, Saturday and you'd hear these artificial teeth like racketing around. Oh, there must be another tooth. There it is. The stupid tooth go across the lawn. My gosh. Yeah. So you came from a very strict upbringing, right? Very strict, strict set in their ways. Yes. So you ended up having three children uh, uh, with your prior, from a prior marriage. Right. When you were much younger, obviously. Yes. And then take us through the story to piggyback off of, because now people have an understanding of the mentality of your family potentially with, hey, tie them up. You know, no remorse kind of, that's the way it sounds. Um, So to piggyback that into another situation that you've had to go through, another traumatic experience, uh, when you tell your parents about the woman that you're married to today, back however many years ago that was, take us through that story. Actually, it was 1988. 1988, so 32 years ago. 32 years ago. Yeah. So my first marriage fell apart. You know, it's a 50-50 deal, right, going off the bat, you know? Mm -hmm. It seems like the best decision in your life. And then one day you wake up and you go, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> how, how did I, you know, fuck that up so badly? So anyway, <clears throat> got separated. Good Catholic boy, you know, and uh, I moved out. I got my own apartment and I took care of the kids and, uh, you know, did my duty. But it was like two years. So I met my current wife, who's tremendous, love of my life. And, um, you know, she's Jewish, right? So, um, you know, my father was very anti-Semitic when we were growing up. So you obviously knew this about your parents already. Yeah, but, like, you you know, you you don't think of it as, it's just, once again, you know, it's like tying the old man up. It's just... The normal. This is, yeah, the abnormal's the normal. Mm. So, you know, my father would make stupid comments like Cadillacs for Jew canoes, and, uh, you know, he had me actually convinced. He says, do you know why the stones in a Jewish cemetery are so close? I go, no. He goes, because they bury him straight up. 
I'm like, are you serious? Because, yeah, I actually believe that. Yeah, Jews have horns, too. Yeah, you know? Did you know that? So, you know, it's two years, and I'm in a family function. And I know things are strained, you know. And, like, you know, like my father, once again, very strict. Like, when I left the house and I moved into my own place, uh, he helped move me in with a couple pieces of furniture. Out of the blue, he said to me, you know, your mother's the first woman I ever slept with. And I figured, now I know why things are so fucked up. <laughs> right? It's like yeah. going to a car dealership yeah. and say, I'll take that car. You want to yeah. test drive it? Nah, fuck it. I'll just right. take it the way it is. And I never want to drive another car again. Right. And then 600 miles later, you're going, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> right? Like, what did I think of? Yeah. you, you got to have more than one partner in your life. <clears throat> exactly. To understand... You know. Yeah, you, you, just to make sure, maybe that is the right person for you. But how do you know if you've only had one intimate partner in your life? Exactly. Anyways, exactly. Go ahead, please. Well, after I started dating my current wife, I realized that there was a big difference. You okay. know? Sure. Yeah. And uh, so I went to this family function. It was kind of like a coming out thing for me. You know, uh, you're excited to tell everybody. Yeah. Finally, I've been in a serious relationship. They probably know you've been dating a little yeah. bit. But they don't know much about it. Okay. Well, and they actually met her. Oh, they had met her. They already. had met her once or twice. Okay. And they said, you know, uh, you know, wow, nice person. So my father says to me, and my father's like Archie Bunker. You know, short words, short sentences. You know, right to the point. Yeah. So you know, what did she do? I said, well, she's a health professional. Oh. That's good. That's what you should have married the first time. He goes, okay, that's good. That's a smart decision. He goes, so what's her name? Like, you know, standard questions, right? I go, well, this is, I gave her the name. Right. He goes, you know, that's a really good German name. I like it. So I said, well, uh, her family's from Europe, but not exactly from Germany. <laughs> I like how you started with her family's from Europe, at least. Maybe so we goes, can get somewhere over here. He goes, well, what do you mean she's the family's from Europe? I'm like, well, she's she's Polish. Pause. He goes, you're going to marry a fucking Polak? He goes, we don't have any Polaks in the family. How are you going to bring a fucking Polak in the family? Now, you know, now my blood's starting to boil. Like, you know, I'm starting to get aggravated and agitated. Sure. And, like, and all the years that you've gone through it to this point, too, yeah. with all the... The negative things that you've experienced. Okay. Well, and all these decisions that you made, thinking that you kept your parents happy, you were right. doing the right thing, the pressure. Right. You know what I mean? And all, and you're like, it's never, it was never good enough. You realize never enough. Right. Never understand. enough. So uh, he goes, well, okay. He goes, well, okay. Uh, well, she's she's got to be Catholic. I said, no, no, no. She's definitely not Catholic. He goes, wow, she's from Poland. I mean, that's all they make. A Polish Protestant? I said, no, uh, no, she's not Protestant either. He goes, well, what is she? I go, she's Jewish. Well, it was kind of like, you know, the Jubilee thing, the silence. Mm. He goes, what do you mean? You're going to marry a fucking Polak Jew? Well, then, you know, boom. And my right arm starts like, I'm going to clock this guy. And now all these years of anger... So he made a comment to me that I can't put on the show. I just I can't. Sure, it's a racial slur. You know, he basically said he'd ra- he would have rather you married someone of a different race than than, than marry a Jew is what different he basically color. said. Absolutely. Yes. 
<clears throat> so, you know, I did the smart thing. I realized that I had two options. I could get into trouble, <clears throat> punch his face, get into trouble. Didn't want to do that. So instinctively, <clears throat> I just turned around and walked away. Didn't run, but I walked really fast. Got in my car. And your heart's racing. Racing. And Blood's I, yeah, boiling. And well, and you're like, you're starting to spin. You know what I mean? Like your head is starting to... It's like, like it's a, a rush of anxiety. Yeah, it's like a merry-go-round in yeah. there, like you know, and you're just concentrating on like I've got to get to my car, I got to get in my car, I got to start my car, I got to get the fuck out of here now. Last time I saw him, that day, that was it. That was the last time you ever saw your father. Last time I saw him, a week later, I got an official letter of disownment, which my second wife keeps. I haven't looked at it again, but that was it. You know, a official letter of disownment from your parents. Official letter of disownment from my parents. And I even got a call from his estate attorney saying, Hey, uh, Richie, just want to let you know you're, you're, you're ahead of the will. So I had to have closure. So I called him up on the phone. And he goes, What? I said, You know what? I want you to do me a favor. Go fuck yourself. And that was it. Those were the last words. I ever said to my old man totally gone totally closed how does that make you feel now looking back well it made me extremely angry so you know you've <clears throat> you've got to make some decisions because you're gonna you're gonna lose your mind sure how do you handle this yeah so you, you know i went into do? therapy i went into therapy you know i i had to see a therapist and uh found this excellent therapist and uh you know, I, I told him the story, and I said to him, so what do you think? He goes, I, I, I think you need a lot of therapy. I, I go, well, for how long? He goes, uh, a while. <laughs> how long do you plan on living is basically guess, what he's you know, saying. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you're going to be here every Monday for an hour, and I'll tell you when to stop. Sure. <clears throat> so I think it was two years. Mm. Which isn't that bad, in all, in, all, yeah. in all honesty. Yeah, maybe two and a half years, but... Uh, you know, so therapy was extremely important for you to get through this. Extremely helpful. What else? Know. What else did you do to get through something? I mean, that's a traumatic, right? I mean, your whole world's flipped upside down, and and now your kids—they're having no contact with your parents. I mean, well, there was a, was there like a transition phase? Yeah, there was a custody issue, and uh, uh, you know, my my ex was very uh, very harmful and hurtful, so she put the kids into the mix. And my father would be very abusive verbally towards me with them. So, you know, we had to go to court a couple of times and get him removed from the situation. So you're, so you're dealing with your ex-wife and your parent. You have all these, like, for lack of a better word, you have all these adversaries you're in like your life all of a sudden. That these, yeah. were, these were your family. Yes. And they became your, like, enemies or adversaries or something along those lines. Absolutely. I mean, I could tell you there was one time, it was nighttime, Maybe I had, you know, one or two glasses of Maker's Mark. And uh, I got super pissed off. And my, you know, my current wife's living, we're living together. And I start walking towards the closet. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm going over to my father's house. So I went in the closet, got a baseball bat. And she's like, put the baseball bat down. I said, don't worry, I'm not going to go over there and hit him. I'm just going to tear apart his light bolt, his lamppost. She goes, Richie, 
put the baseball bat down. Saved my life. She said to me, if you don't put the baseball bat down, I'm going to call the police. Mm. So, you know. And there were times where you were uh, not, you weren't stable through some of these these parts, right? I mean, there were times where you were driving and you wanted to take your car into a wall. Absolutely. Because of what you were going through. Yes. And I want people to hear this because there's so many people out there that have these thoughts and feelings that, you know, that it's not just you. It's not just you, whoever's listening. You're not alone. There's been so many people that go through shit. Right. All of us do. We all go through yeah, some traumatic you do, shit. You do stupid things. I mean, I can remember one night I was coming back from work and I had a, I had a Corvette at the time and, you know, nobody was out. It was, you know, like 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I said to myself, let's see what this son of a bitch can do. Mm. So I took it up to like 125, 130. And uh, it actually was pretty nice at 130, by the way. Yeah. Pretty nice. <laughs> but, you know, there they are, the troopers. Now, when you're doing 130, you can get it down, but you're not going to get it down to 55. <laughs> so Sick. I pass these guys by, and I'm like, the lights go on. Oh, and I'm like, shit. Ah, it's just pull over. It's just pull over. So I pulled over. They were very nice. And uh, they were very nice guys. I Might have saved your life. Yeah, it may have. That night. If they weren't there, who knows? Yeah, they were very nice. And, like, you know, I, I stopped the car. I didn't chase, you know, they didn't right. have to chase me. I was like, you know what, just, just wait. But this is, you were going through some real tough emotional <laughs> yeah. issues in your life at that point. Yeah, so uh, cops were great. They said, listen, we can take your car. We can impound your car. Yeah. He goes, so we're going to call it 99 miles per hour, show up at court, and fight it. And I'm thinking... Wow, these are amazing guys. Didn't that impact your relationship with your wife at the time? Because you can't be you can't be the your for for you can't be optimized. You're not in a, in a good state of mind. You're emotionally off base for these you know this period of time that had to seep into your relationship. Well, that's a great point. I mean, it it just goes to the. You know, fact that she's an amazing woman. You have to have a strong woman to deal with this. Accepting my first three kids from my first marriage. Yeah, I'm a little emotionally unstable. I'm speeding my Corvette. I'm, you know. You want to go to, to your dad's house with the baseball, baseball bat. bat. Right. And, uh, Maybe which, a few other thoughts in between. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, can't talk about them right now because, you know. Right. But she got me through it. She was amazing. Uh, you need a strong partner in life. And I'll tell you what, when, like you mentioned, I was surrounded, uh, I actually got this opportunity to go to Saudi Arabia. And I was going to go. I was like, fuck this shit. I can't do this shit anymore. Mm. So I got offered a job in Saudi Arabia, and she talked me out of it. She's like, no, you can't do that. You can't leave your three kids. you got to just tough it out, man. you got to get some help. So those things really did make a difference between her and, uh, wow, you know. And I drew on the strength of people like my my grandfather who was the uh you know the, the, the five foot eight uh grandpa yeah, I mean, who that was guy strong. was a tough son yeah. of a bitch yeah <clears throat> lost his wife had to raise three kids, three kids yeah. thought his daughter would have babies she became a nun you know i figured hey you know if he can if he can tough that out you know i just i just got to get my shit to together. piggyback through that with the parents your whole family ended up basically disowning you correct absolutely yeah. you have sibling you have what three brothers i have uh yeah three brothers uh Actually, yeah, three brothers and a sister, and uh, and you don't talk to any, you haven't talked to any of them I, you know, essentially for the last. There's been a couple moments in time. Yeah, 
You know, and I'll tell you what, uh, Nate, it's amazing. They were also extremely anti-Semitic. And I don't know where that shit came from. I don't know where that shit came from. But, you know, the old man ruled the roost. Mm-hmm. And they did what he said. And yeah, I, I and I tell people the story and they're like, there has to be more to the story than what you're telling me. Like, this doesn't just happen. You had to do something bad. Like, you had to punch your mother in the mouth or, or you know, set the car on fire in the driveway. Or, but no, none of that stuff happened. So when I tell the story, people still, they look at me like, this just doesn't add up. But yeah. I'll tell you what, it taught me one thing as a Gentile. The power of anti-Semitism. You know, we talk about it, and we, you know, we talk about it sometimes. But I got to tell you something. I learned firsthand how powerful and present to this day anti-Semitism is. They're hated. I don't know why. I, I don't, honestly don't get it. When you say they're hated, Jewish people. The Jewish people. There's just so much anti-Semitism against Jews. And I figured, you know, I was a good kid. You know, I worked hard, I, was a, I went to school, I worked every summer, you know, obeyed my parents, I didn't, I didn't have any criminal record, I was a good guy. Yeah. <clears throat> and I figured if you do all that, and this happens to you because you marry a Jew, well that's, that's the epitome of anti-Semitism. Yeah, where everything that you had done in your life prior meant nothing. Nix, nothing. Everything. Meant, everything. 30 years of life, right? trying to do the right thing, trying to be devoted, make everyone in the family happy, do things that you probably didn't want to do but just to appease others. Right. And all those 30 years come crashing down because of a woman that you want to be with who happens to be a religion that they don't like. Exactly. So you do 500 things right in their eyes. You do one thing wrong, and it's like, you know, we're done with you. We've had Oof. enough. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just uh, I think about it, and I, can't, I still can't believe it to this day. I can't believe that. I can't either. believe it. You know, it's like, how did this even happen? But I think, you know, if it happened to me, I mean, you know, relatively, you know, middle, middle class family, supposedly religious, you know, doing the right thing. On the outside, everything looked terrific. And it just shows you the power of hate. You know, it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah, yeah. But, wow. you know. Well, that's, there's a lot of people that have to deal with so much different shit out there. And uh, this this happens to be one that you've had to unfortunately deal with the CPTSD, and it goes back to those strict ways, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> it's a mentality. It, it is a mentality, and you know, I think back on my Catholic upbringing, and I'm not knocking the Catholic Church. I mean, listen. Yeah, there's plenty of know, great things about plenty Catholicism, great things, of course. Great Catholic people, awesome. I believe in the power of religion, but you know, for me. It's just, I'll never forget, like, you know, in sixth grade, uh, you went with your class to church every Sunday. So you go to the school, everybody would assemble, it's mandatory attendance. You go to church, and I was in first grade, and I look up, and I'm like, you know, there's this 20-foot wooden crucifix with this guy on this thing. And uh, he's got a spike through his feet, a spike through his hands. He's got this crown of thorns around him. And I'm like, these are like, these aren't just thorns. These are like thorns on steroids. Mm. You know, and then some Roman soldier walks up to him and stabs him in the chest. <clears throat> He's only wearing a loincloth, right? So, I mean, imagine. They didn't give him sunscreen, you know? 
That's right. He didn't get sunblock. Right. And I'm thinking, this is a little strange. You know, this is like a symbol. It's a torture symbol. Yeah. It's yeah. a symbol of torture. And, you know, I, I look at, uh, like, I, I watch Laura Ingram every now and then. She's a very, very attractive woman. But, you know, you turn on the TV and she's got this big cross on her chest. So I reach for the clicker. It's like, can you imagine having a symbol? You know, listen, it's okay for people to do it. You know, that's what they want to do. Sure. <clears throat> but, I mean, like, maybe we ought to approach Tiffany's and have a little titanium electrocution chair made and, and put that on a string, you know? <laughs> exactly. Or a syringe. Yeah, you know? could you imagine some late-night TV host or some uh, national news anchor always has a big Jewish star on his chest? Oh. Oh, they'd be crucified. I mean... They wouldn't go over one. No pun intended, they'd be crucified. They'd be crucified. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, They nobody would want to see that. I mean, I can't think of ever seeing anybody with a star at David and Exactly. So there's that subtle, subliminal, yeah. like, you know, stay be, stay between the lines. You know, if you do that, you're going to be fine. But if you cross the line, yeah, so it's, uh, the whole thing was just, uh, I, and I had a hard time with that. I mean, every Sunday I'd sit there, and I really couldn't pay attention to the mass because I kept looking at this thing going, this is horrible, you know, it's horrible. So you lost your whole family. Yeah. Because of the woman, and you're with her still to this day. Yes. And you guys have created a. You guys have continued on the family. You've added two more kids to the family over yep. the course of time. You have a family of seven. Yep. And then, of course, they're all grown and they have their own families. A lot of them now. So. Right. Um. So it's just amazing to me that you guys have been able to weather through all that. And uh, I just wonder. I wonder, like, what there's this. There's a silver lining, right? Every tragic thing has Absolutely. a silver lining. What's a, something that you've learned throughout this whole thing? Well, you know what? The way I rationalize it in a good way is I'm in a better place. I, I mean, it was painful, very, very painful. But I ended up in a better place than where I was. So I say to myself, if I had stayed with my first wife just to keep my parents happy, and by the way, they're both dead now. I'd be with this woman. I'd be f fucking miserable. That would just go downstream to my kids and you just continue the circle, right? right? So that's what makes me happy. It's like I'm in a better place. I had to pay a price for it. It was painful. You would do it all again? I would do, like my grandfather, yep, in a heartbeat. Yeah, no regret. No regrets. Because And then those moments where you get sad, because there has to be plenty of those over the course of the time, and I'm sure it subsides over the years, but sure. especially at the beginning, the first several years. You're sad and you're questioning and, and all these things, and I'm sure it was a, a plethora of emotions, mixed feelings, mixed emotions. Um, where was I going with this? I was going to say something, and I just lost it. How did you get through it? Or, or <clears throat> Yeah, oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. In, throughout all those emotions, you had to probably take yourself and be like, all right, think about this rationally. Would you want to go right back to your old life? Would you want right. to go back to the past 30 years? Would you want to go back to the... The strict, the hatred, the the suffocation. That that's kind of what you lived. You Absolutely. lived it like this very intense thing, and I'm sure that that was something that helped you get through it. Well, I'll tell you what I did, Nate. I developed. Someone told uh, someone told me this, and I forget who it was, but they said, you know what? <clears throat> Just think about today. Just think about today, and uh, you know, one of the things I've loved in, in my life is boating. And this great guy, uh, super guy, um, helped me to learn how to boat. Yeah. 
and you're out in the Chesapeake, you're out in the Atlantic Ocean, and it gets a little scary at times, you know, it's like, so you, you say to yourself, you know, where's the next red marker? Where's the next red marker? And then like you see it and you go, what? he says, listen to me, all you gotta do is find the next red marker. Don't worry about the next red marker. Just find the red marker. And when you get there, you're gonna see the next red marker. So relax, don't panic. Because you know, you start panicking on a boat, it's not a good day. You can end up, you know, going aground. Capsized, or yep. <clears throat> running into another boat. Mm -hmm. So I took that philosophy like the only day you got control over is that day. So get up, you know, develop your little ritual, you know, put your clothes out the night before, make your cup of tea, you know, plan your day. Just get up, get a shower, and just keep moving. And then, you know, Take care of that day, and then tomorrow will be here. You take care of that day. One day at a time. One day at a time, and I think that's a really important thing because if you start looking too far down the line, you're going to panic. Panic's going to set in, and you're going to get afraid, mm -hmm. or you're going to make a rash decision. <clears throat> so I, that you know that approach really helped me. You, your experience was so intense and so traumatic. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was a point in time over the last several years where your parents were still living, and you would check the obituaries. Yes. To yeah. see if they have passed. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And you were checking because you were, <clears throat> I mean, you, what, what was the reason? Well, you know it? what? I, I really wanted closure. Uh, they lived in a, the, a 10 minutes away from me, 15 minutes away from wow. me. Wow. I was always worried about running into them. You know, I was yeah. just always worried about that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted closure, and I probably should give myself closure a long time before that. But I knew, and it sounds horrible, but I mean, if they passed, they were gone. It was like, you know, and I was still here. And it's a great point, I'll tell you what. When I turned 60, I had this tremendous fear that I was going to die before he did. Oh. And that really rattled my brain. You know, and I had to go back into therapy a little bit for that. And I was thinking, really, God damn it, sixty years old, I can't. You know, oh my God, this guy's in his eighties, and sixty's a big number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of and you're course. thinking, this son of a bitch is gonna outlive me. It's and that, and there's something about that that brought back <clears throat> some trauma. All those brought memories. back some stress. All those memories. So you went back into. Uh, therapy for a moment. Yeah, you know, and I did. I and I, um, yeah, I did. I went back, and uh, you know, um, they put it into perspective for you. They your tried. feelings. Your... You know, they try. I mean, yeah. you know, it's. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, so when you saw the day that you found out that your father passed, yeah, you found out by opening up the newspaper. Well, no, actually, what happened was it was kind of kind of black humor, funny, sad. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm in my I'm at work. And, uh, you know, I'm doing my thing. And uh, one of the young ladies who helps run my business mm -hmm. got a phone call from a distant relative. And uh, they said, oh, you know, can you tell Richie is his father passed? <clears throat> just so, a random morning at work. Yeah, just like out of the blue. So she walks in the office, and I'm on the phone with somebody, and she says to me, uh, Richie, I got, some, I got some really bad news for you. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Like, did my wife get in a car accident? Or so I go, what? She goes, I don't know how to tell you this. I'm like, tell me, what's going on? She goes, uh, your father died. 
and went, oh, oh, okay, all, all right, thanks. And she walked away. She had to be horrified. <clears throat> she was like, what Does is he wrong? understand what I just said to him? <laughs> what is wrong with this dude? <laughs> what is wrong with this dude? You know, like. When she told you that thing, did you get chilled? What, what was that moment? I felt nothing. It was amazing. I didn't know how I was going to feel when it happened, but I absolutely felt nothing. I felt a great sense of relief. That's what I was thinking. Like, you know, the contest was finally over after wow, 32 years. That is years. so fucking intense. You know? I mean, you think of the Afghanistan War was, what, 15, 15 years still slugging it out? This was, you know, 32 years the mm. contest was still going on. My God! So this was final closure for me. So I, I didn't shed a tear. I, I didn't get upset. I didn't, I didn't even get angry. I was like, you know what? But you felt relieved. I felt complete sense of relief. And, you know, the therapist, we had this conversation with my therapist. That's so intense. And she was like, you know, what are you going to do when your parents die? I go, you know, I think I'm going to be happy. She goes, no, that's not how this works. And I'm thinking, I don't know. I mean, I, I said, I think I'm going to be happy. Because she's implying there may be some remorse. Yeah, or something there's going to be the flashback of like, right. oh, when you know. a child. And we should things. have reconciled. Yeah, but sure. I knew that was impossible. Right. <clears throat> so, but I... I started to get fearful about that because right. she said, you know, you're gonna, maybe, you're gonna, maybe you're going to react differently than yeah. you think you're going to react, you're right? Not, you're not going to get closure with this death. Well, I did. You got closure. She was wrong. <laughs> she didn't live all those years of trauma. Right. She didn't live, and then, you know, uh, another crazy story was uh, my family and I were out in California. Now, this is really weird. And uh, it was it's crazy. I, I, I tell people the story and they don't believe it, but it... My wife will vouch for it. So, you know, uh, it's it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and my wife's asleep in bed, you know, we're out you know, Disneyland, you know. And I'm sitting there. <clears throat> all of a sudden, I get this horrible feeling that my mother is in the room. Crazy. Mm -hmm. And I stand up, and I said, you need to get the fuck out of my room now. So my wife sits up in bed and goes, what are you doing? Richie, what, what the hell's Richie, going on? Richie, what, what what's wrong with you? What are you doing? What are you talking <laughs> Scaring about? Scaring the shit out of everybody. I scared the shit out of her. She's like, you know what? You, you, we need to talk tomorrow. You need some work, okay? There's something wrong with you. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> You're yelling at, she, at the room. She, she got really angry. Yeah, She's yeah. like, you know, we got to talk. This is ridiculous. Right. Yeah, this is stupid, okay? Yeah. So the next morning, she was still pissed off. I'm laying in bed and I'm going, Jesus Christ, what the hell was that all about? What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I'm out here in California. I should be enjoying myself. And I'm having these fucking visions of my mother in my in my room. So, you know, I go to the bathroom and I'm sitting there in the can and she's down there at Starbucks and, you know, she calls me up and she goes, I, well, I called her up and said, where are you? You're not, you know, she goes, yeah. She goes, I'm, I'm really irritated. I couldn't sleep all night long. You wake up at fucking one o'clock in the morning and have this stupid dream. I can't sleep, so I'm now getting. I'm downstairs getting Starbucks. I'll be up in a bit. So I'm sitting there going, I oh, you know, Jesus Christ, maybe I need to get back into therapy or something. Things, things aren't going too well here. I'm on fucking vacation at Disney, right? And I'm thinking of this shit one o'clock in the morning. So anyway, I'm thinking, you know, I got my phone here. I'm gonna 
I'm going to check her obituary. So I, you know, I go to Google, and I put her name in there. Boom! Five days before that, she died. No shit. No shit. You had no clue? No clue. To this day, it still weirds me out. That she died after your father? Yeah, like like two years. Got it. <clears throat> two years. Wow. Yeah, so the funny so, thing was, you know, I hadn't seen a woman in 32 years. Yeah. So the name comes up, and this picture I don't recognize. And it has this city and state that, you know, she was never in that. I mean, I didn't know that she was in the city or state. So I'm, I'm looking at this thing going, this is fucking crazy. There's a woman with the same name as my mother who died four days ago in fucking Ohio. What are the chances of that? That's right? what you were thinking at that I'm moment. I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is really bizarre. That, And I'm saying, my God, they even got the same age. <laughs> and then it hit me. It's like, oh, man, she had to move. So what, my, 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 She moved after your father passed. Yeah, right? you know. And you had no clue. You had no, no clue she I had moved no clue away. At all. Wow, this is so intense. So I called up uh, my wife and I said, you know, I, I think maybe I am crazy, but I'm starting to believe in this paranormal shit. She's like, well, tell me what happened. I'm like, she's like, you're kidding me. Wow. I go, no, no, I'm, I'm really serious. She goes, well, I got to come up. I got to I got to look at this to believe it. Right. I said, well, you got a phone down there with you. You check it out. Yeah. Yep. Sure enough, man, that was it. And so I what do you said, think that was? You know what? I don't know. You still don't know. I still don't know. Mm. What made me think of that? And you felt her in the room. I felt her in the room. And it was it was so it was so real that you started yelling, "Get out of the freaking room!" Yes. You thought she had come into the hotel. Yes, I felt Holy her. Shit. I felt her presence, and it's I don't really. Believe I can see why people don't believe you, but you hear these types of stories. And you know what? It was like... And you're not going to make up a story like that about a woman, no. your mother, that you haven't seen in over 30 Well, of course. And, and it's a price tag, too. If you make it up, your wife thinks you're a wackadoodle. Yeah. And you're going back to fucking therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's like, you're going back. <laughs> you might not be coming on the next vacation with the family <laughs> yeah, based on that. <clears throat> so, yeah. It was, Man. Uh, well, I got to tell you, uh, Richie, it's, it's incredible that you've been able to overcome these types of things. And I know that you, you probably say you have no choice, right? Because you do have to... You have to pivot in life. Sometimes things are thrown at you that you don't expect. And it's all about how you handle those things. And you've handled a lot. Well, thank I you. give you a lot of credit. Thank and you. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing this. Is there anything that we, uh, that, uh, anything else that you wanted to, to get off your chest before we finish? Uh, there's still so much more. I don't think I could do we it. We don't have this. enough time in one. We don't one I'd be happy to come back because there's other stories. <clears throat> Getting back to the. See, you know, PTSD shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, that stuff that uh, you look back and you go, oh man, that was just, just not normal. It's just, you know, it's kind of like looking back, it's got to be so clear to you, but at the time, it was so foggy. You're in it. You're in it. You're in, in it. it. And it was like you said, the abnormal was your normal. Exactly. You know, and, and to get out and look back in is not something a lot of people get to do. Sure. You know what I mean? They stay in that. That they stay stuck. They stay stuck. Their whole freaking life. Whole freaking life. Yeah. It's horrible. Well, I think it was really a powerful moment that we kind of came full circle when you said, and I said to you, would you do it all over again? And you said, just like my grandfather said, absolutely, I would. Yeah. Richie, thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate really it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.